had to let go of that lone wolf that was fighting for survival and then step into a teammate who was stable, significant, successful. Welcome to the Producer Mindset, where we interview industry leaders about entrepreneurship, marketing, business development, and overall what it takes to run a successful business in, but not exclusive to, the real estate industry in today's age. Today, we have a special one. We have Joe Stumpf. He's been around in the real estate coaching and training business since 1977. In 1986, he started his training and coaching company. Since then, it has become one of the largest coaching companies in North America. Joe has a subscription-based company with over 5,000 clients, the purpose of which is to provide the tools, systems, and principles to be highly profitable and at the same time to serve others with the heart of a super servant. He invests 100% of his working life leading small live events at his home, creating new simulators and work it outs for the private work self-coaching community. His goal is for 1 million people to do private work self-coaching every day. He divides his time among Northern California, New Zealand, Costa Rica, and Los Angeles. Joe has authored many books that you can check out on Amazon, with his most recent one being Private Work Self-Coaching, The Art and Science of Cultivating Insightfulness. I'm excited to introduce Joe Stump. Welcome to the Producer Mindset. It's the, the, the title of the podcast, and we have a a signature question that we ask everybody that's come on so far and you know you can elaborate on it as much as you'd like um, but it's one day you're born now you're here on the producer mindset fill us out on the details on what happened in between you know maybe five to ten minutes breakdown you can do it before you know you can kind of break it down however you'd like and we can kind of dissect as we go along there's a quote from Mark Twain, something like this. Uh, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day that you find out why. And uh, I, I love that progression. You know, I think that that is really what personal growth and personal development and professional development is. This is a deep understanding of there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, and I'm more closer to the end than I am to the beginning at this stage of my life. So in reflection, you know, I could look back at the memories of how I got to where I am right now. And they're always skewed. Memory is a tricky thing. You know, like we remember what fits perfectly in the story. So in reflection, I can look back and see like amazing things that have happened. But the truth is, you know, every step of the way in the journey has been an unfolding, like it's leading to whatever is next. And so I, I often listen to podcasts and people are giving their historical account of what happened. <laughs> and it's it's the current account of what happened. You know, like, I, you know, like, so it's not, there's not a, a tremendous amount of, uh, of learning looking backwards for me, like looking backwards, there's not a lot of learning in that with the exception of what have I taken that actually um, has been, uh, you know, a, an integrated, healthier version of me into the next episode of my life. Um, mm -hmm. And I got into real estate out of dysfunction. You know, I it was 
my uncle Jim, uh, Jim Wessel. You know, I was drinking heavily. I was, I was an alcoholic. You know, and he was an alcoholic too. And it was like real estate's the greatest place for you to hide inside a disease. You know, that's and at that time I was 21. I got out. You could uh, work during the day and drink at night. And Jim was my perfect partner, and we had a wonderful time together. We, we you know, we, he got me in the real estate when I was 21 years old, and we partied like rock stars. And and it was it was a great time until it wasn't, you know, and and there was always a bunch of, you know, drama inside of that. And so um, in 19, oh gosh, this is way back, Josh. This is 19. Uh, 81, 82. So gosh, that's how long I've been doing this. Uh, I left the real estate business. I was successful, you know, like any any young guy. I was I was driven, you know, and I would work hard and party hard and play hard, and and, and it kind of came to an end. You know, Jim and I had uh, uh, kind of gone our different ways. Uh, he um, he was he, real estate was in him. He was it, it was in him. He was a mm -hmm. real. I was in it. I was not a realtor. I was in the business. It was in him. And I could see that distinction. Then I went to my first Tom Hopkins seminar, who was a trainer, speaker, coach way back then. And uh, I sat in the audience and I looked up there and I go, that's what I want to do. You know, I, I got that vision. And uh, I was 25 years old at the time. And and I, and I was like, wow, that is really cool. You know, you're commanding the space. You got all the people in the audience, impeccably dressed, you know, like precision language. And, and then I would look at the back table and people flocking to the back table to buy his tapes and his books. And, you know, uh, it was it was stunning. I'd never seen anything like this. Now, my dad's an entrepreneur. My mom's a school teacher. So this combination of owning your own business and creating a, a company that teaches people, you know, like it was right up my my DNA alley. So, you know, I quickly grabbed hold of that, went to work for Tom Hopkins, traveled around the country for a couple of years drinking and partying and selling tickets to his seminars and we had a great time i had a great little group of young men that we worked with and we we rocked like rock stars you know we would fill the room up with a thousand people we would be tommy's hero for the day and then we'd go on and we do that and so we did about maybe eight or ten shows a year and i did that for a couple of years loved it and then uh, the reckoning day came uh you know i moved to california uh september 4th 1984 uh, North Hollywood Park um, had come to an end. My drinking had taken me pretty far. I'm sitting in the park, cop comes up to me, says, hey, listen, buddy, you know, we've been watching you for the last couple of days. Either I'm gonna take you into, uh, into county jail tonight, or you're gonna go to that little clubhouse down the street there, that's an AA clubhouse, and you got a choice. What do you want? You wanna go to jail, or do you wanna, wanna attempt to get sober? And, um, and I went with option B, which turned out to be a good choice. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I, and I began that journey, a new leg of the journey, you know, like learning how to do that. Now, my my, my mom was an alcoholic. My dad was a significant drinker. So it was all I knew, you know, so I just, they just handed me what they gave me. And they also gave me incredible gifts. My mom was an incredible reader. She was like voracious. You, you know, she, you never saw her without a book in her hand. You know, she was constantly reading and studying. My dad was a creative entrepreneur, built one of the largest 
uh, drapery companies in, in, in the Midwest. He made drapes for all of Sears and he was like an artist. He knew how to make a bedspread and a drape. He would say like the bedspread is the biggest piece of art in any bedroom, you know? And, and he was like so passionate about it. And so I love that they gave me those two gifts, you know, like to love mm -hmm. art and the love for creativity. And then I brought that into um, into my work and, and my work since way back then has been a constant evolution. Where I am today is so, so far from where I was when I first started, when I was, you know, taking Tommy's model, which was to create a product and then go around the country and sell it, you know, write mm -hmm. a book, write a course, and and then he had a year to go around the country to do all your 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 spots and you do it. And then I met a man named uh, Cabot Roberts. Cabot Roberts was uh, a legend in the speaking business, and he said to me, "Now this is my recall of the memory of it." He said to me, or in a, in a group in a seminar, he said. I say, I say he said to me, I was in a seminar and he's talking to the group, but he's actually talking to me. Directly to you. Directly to me. But isn't it true when you hear a message, it's like somebody speaking directly to you. It was like yeah. sitting at Tommy Hopkins seminar and I'm going, he is here just to show me what my future looks like. Like, and I was like so embodied in that. And I was with that Cabot Roberts and Cabot Roberts said, you know, um, when you enter into the field of adult education, uh, you have two choices. One is either keep the same speech and really polish it beautifully and then always look for a new audience and that is a very profitable path to take you know and you will spend most of your life looking for a new audience but you'll keep that speech and it will be honed magnificently you know and it will be a beautiful talk and you will touch people's lives or you can go to work on yourself develop yourself, constantly change your message and keep the same audience. So it's your choice. It's hard to do both because to develop yourself, it takes space. You need to have room in your life to putter and ponder and read and think and contemplate and work things out. Where when you're on the go, traveling from one city to the next, looking for your next audience, you don't have that space. You got enough time, and I did it 23 years on the road, uh, 22 days out of the year, you know, uh, speaking to a different audience. Same talk, same audience. That's where I ran across your brother and Mike and all those guys is when I was doing a thing called the main event. Mm -hmm. And we did that three-day event, and it was a stunning event. It was magnificent. It was a well-honed talk. You know, we had 1,500 to 2,000 people every month show up at a big ballroom, and we killed it. We crushed it, and we, we had a great time. And then it was done. And in 2008, we were done with that, and I had to evolve into something different, um, which was, was, you know, kind of fascinating, which I was really excited about. It was just converting over to the Internet, and so we made our ship from being a, a live circus, you know, traveling from city to city, you know, pulling out the tent and, you know, doing the whole thing, which was fun. And it's really cool. You change a lot of people's lives. And then we had our mastery class. Your brother was in my mastery class where we would meet every 90 days. And I started to cultivate a long-term relationship with a smaller group of people. Um, and then uh, we converted to over to, the, to uh, delivering everything through the, uh, online and uh, I still run a quarterly mastermind that I've been doing for the last 15 20 years that meet with a couple hundred people uh, every uh, 90 days in San Diego uh, through COVID we're looking online a little bit mm -hmm. uh, uh, but my, my commitment Josh is is to help people move through the stages of growth you know stage one is survival 
that's when you you know you enter anything new you know, with beginner's heart you, know, you have a lot of intention to do it you're, you're just trying to survive you're trying to develop the skills to to get out of survival so we have a lot of a lot of people i love real estate because there's always a new group of people coming in and they're in survival they don't know what they don't even know and it takes a little while but if they're committed and they have the the constitution to do it they move to stability stability is, is more of a consistent predictable income coming in maybe a, a transaction in some marketplaces it's once a month sometimes it's every two months but they got enough money coming in where they're no longer surviving uh, they now their bills are being paid and and that's where most real estate agents land is in is in stability you know if, if they make it out of survival you know maybe three out of ten make it out of survival seven out of ten go to another thing and then three out of ten get into into stability. And then out of those three out of 10, there's maybe one that goes to success. One out of two becomes successful. So it's survival, stability, success. Success is you start to build a team. Your brothers are successful. You start to leverage your time. You start to, you build a business instead of having a job. <laughs> you know, like you're, at stability, real estate is a little bit more of a job. Like you are a, a blue collar worker and you, you have some disciplines and you get them done every day. But success is when you're in, the business is in you, like Jim Wessel was in the business. He was a successful guy. Uh, he really embodied it, and uh, and you build team, you build structure, you build you build company, and you make money. Real estate makes a lot of money. Then the next level is significance. You know that's a, a place where you more become a teacher and a coach and a guide and you start to be a leader of an organization and you create something significant, something lasting, something something that has perennial piece to it and that's gonna last for a long time. And then after sacred, after uh, significant is sacred. You know, sacred is um, later stages of development. It's when you get a little older in life and you're in reflection, you're in reflection mode, and you're doing deeper personal work. Um, I watch uh, a lot of men my age, I'm 65, and I watch a lot of men my age either go into a sacred time of life where they create a lot of integrity based on what they've done in their life and they create a body of work that they leave behind. And they're really, really vigilant about their time and how they spend their time. The ambition is not as great because ambition in an older guy usually turns into a red Ferrari at 65 and a lot of trouble. You know? <laughs> so so you, you, yeah. you learn to channel your energy and you learn how to put it into something meaningful. It's a collecting of all of your wisdom that you've created over all that time. And then you package in a way that will outlive you. That's, that's a sacred process. Um, and so I'm in that stage today where, you know, I have a, a significant company. We got a couple thousand members that have been with us for a long time. We built about an eight or $10 million company. I don't have to work that much. I have sold 30% of my business. I spend most of my time in my sacred space, creating my legacy work, which I'm passing on to uh, generations uh, after I leave. So, and I call that private work, privatework.com is, um, and I, and all of your listeners go to privatework.com. It's free. It's a, my gift to the world. I've created a, an algorithm that helps people go through these processes, survival, stability, success, significance, and sacred, and do it in a very methodical way. So that's current. So there's 10 minutes, you know, there we are. <laughs> yeah, there We're we are. Up. We're all up to date. I love it. There's so much that we can unpack in there, obviously, because it's your entire life. And had a pretty significant one, lots of ups and downs, faced a lot of adversity, learned a lot of lessons, met a lot of really cool people along the way. And I kind of want to dive into the people aspect of things because I obviously 
know you through my dad and through, thankfully, now I have a good relationship with Dean. Michael and I both do. We took, get to talk to him a good amount, and he's been a great mentor of ours. And I know that um, you guys, I, I don't know the exact story of you guys meeting, but I know that him and Evan Pagan were doing some, some work with you or for you. And I just kind of wanted to dive into some relationships, the relationship side of things of the, the biggest or most meaningful relationships along the way that kind of guided you to who you are today. And maybe some people that you admire, that you draw from inspirationally um, with business and marketing and kind of, you know, everything that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so when you take on a role of a coach, a leader, a guide, you know, where people are going to project onto you a certain amount of power that you don't even actually have, but they want you to have it. So they you project onto people. So when you're in that role of on stage in front of people, part of that projection that people are putting onto you, you have, you're attempting to live into. You don't always have what they think you have, but you want to live into what they want you to be. It's like when you have a mentor, like I know as a mentor to lots of people, I want to fulfill their desire. But at the same time, I have to work on myself and not become what they want me to be. Does that make sense? I'm watching on the internet right now where people, they, they are, are they're so tuned to the dilemma of getting dopamine from likes and encouragement that they actually become what their audience likes as opposed right. to what they are. You know, so I've been conscious of that for a long time uh, that you know people project onto the leader a certain uh, level of uh, desire that they want them to be. So. I've had to work through that because when I got in, I was young, I was 27. I mean, I mean, imagine 27 years old and, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 people are coming to your workshop. Like, what do I, at 27, you know, like I, all I've done is package something, marketed it, and now I'm like an expert, you know, and people project that onto you. It's not true, you know, let's say it's, it's, it's my enthusiasm and my energy and my salesmanship, you know, like I can get a lot done. And that's where you start to attract people who are like that. Your brother, like he wanted to grow into that. So I imagine your brother, I think he showed up at one of my workshops. He liked me. He liked the message. He liked the place I was coming from. I found a, a, a kind of a, in a resonance with a, a, that would attract high quality people because we were speaking to building a referral business. Like mm -hmm. you had to be to be referable. And your brother Jim was like really attracted to that versus the marketing message, which you're constantly looking for a new audience. And so I've, I've just discovered that people who have a, a deep resonance with wanting to cultivate relationship for an extended period of time and, and build referrals are very different than transactional people. And so I started to attract more relational people. Uh, versus transactional people and the transactional people I did attract man you know it was havoc in our system you know I've had I had a dozen guys that kept come through and going off and opened up training companies that I'm it's fine with me it chisels away at your marketplace because <laughs> I'm in their small niche you know and I probably have trained my top the top five competitors in my business I probably have trained and have opened up the world to them which is in reflection where I am today, it's fine. In the moment, it was drama, <laughs> you know, like, it was difficult, but we worked through all that. 
And uh, Dean is a Dean is a perfect example. Dean came, Dean Jackson. He came to. Uh, I was just with Dean down in Florida last week, and we were talking about how one day his manager came up to him at Royal LePage and said to him, "Hey, I just went and saw this guy Joe Stump. You should go see him speak." And so Dean, right time, right words, right person, just like intersecting in the hallway, you know, and Dean stumbled his way down to the hotel when we were there the next time. And he resonated with the message and he signed up for what I had going at that time was uh, called voicemail accountability program, VMAP, which you do to call me on your leave a voicemail message. And then I would listen to it. And then I would leave a voicemail message back to you. And we had this exchange and I charged like a hundred dollars a month and had a couple hundred people. I was just listening, like as I was traveling around the country, listening to voicemail messages and responding back and forth. That was cutting edge technology, you know? Uh, and, uh, and so Dean was part of that. And then Dean, um, uh, and then I met, and then Eben came to work for us. Eben Pagan came to work for us uh, as a sound man. He was my sound guy at the back of the room. Really? Yeah, he would do all that. He's a musician by, mm -hmm. to begin with. And he, um, how he came to us, I don't have the, I'm gonna go down and see him in Austin in a couple of days couple of weeks I'm gonna go down and see him but he he came somehow he found out about us and came to work for our company first mm -hmm. and then Dean was Dean was coming to the main event I connected the two of those guys I created a relationship I saw real potential in those guys as marketers and so we forged up a little partnership between the three of them I formed a little sub company outside of I got them the clients and then they would coach them and they liked that and so it was a, it was a good thing and and then they like i'm their father man and they have to break off from daddy and go off and do their own so you have to go through that rite of passage you got to push away from dad got to get angry with dad you got to get upset so we had our breakup you know they went off evan opened up uh, double your dating and mm -hmm. and uh, he did really well with that and then he came back around we we healed things up about five six seven years later we've been good buddies ever since and we do a lot of stuff i teach it as virtual coach stuff today and you know i do a lot of stuff with evan and dean and i are collaborative partners on lots of he partners with me in the private work stuff today and you know we have really dynamic relationship and, and a lot of fun with that so i love it yeah and That's... we had a we had a good call with mike the other day I'm, i think i might yeah yeah Hopefully I get the invite. He was actually on with us yesterday or two days ago. Two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah, he came on and he was he shared his life story and we kind of dissected how he grew the business and his past failures and whatnot. But yeah, that's awesome. That's very. So he's, he's another guy I came across, you know, and, and when he was just getting started with uh, Dave Ramsey, you know, I helped him mm -hmm. a lot with that process. Like we were wondering, do we go that path? Do we not go that path? What, 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 what do, how do we use the volume knob on the on the before unit business turn it down you know and uh we had a good we had a good um mike and i mike and i are still fun you know like when yeah. send me a wedding invitation i'm looking forward i i might go down i gotta i gotta just see how that all works out yeah thanksgiving so kind of oh really okay yeah i haven't gotten the invite yet but maybe i will we'll see <laughs> so i'm one of the co-founders here with josh uh in top shot pro uh, we started about three and a half years ago, which has been working together since. Uh, I really love, you know, this entire journey that you've put together, everything from going through survival all the way to where you're at now in your journey, um, the sacred work, right? Uh, one of the questions I have for you as part of really being a leader is the ability to serve others uh, and also remaining present in the moment, but building the future. How did you manage to do this with 
clients, programs, team members. And I mean, again, like, seems to me like you went through through your own line of work from survival to stability to success to significance now into sacred. Like, can you tell us a little bit about how one gets through all of that? Because a lot of the people that we work with, of course, they're real estate professionals. Um, I would say just off the top of my head, a huge chunk of them seem to stay between survival and stability for quite some time. Yeah. Or they're on like a hamster wheel. They're going back and forth. From yeah. yeah. And, and that's uh, learning how to manage yourself, be self-managed. Uh, that's the tricky thing for a lot of people who are coming into real estate, you know, that, and that's why the national companies exist because they give some form of structure. Like you have to come to a meeting on Thursdays, you know, that's part of the deal. Mm -hmm. uh, they have certain requirements that you have to do certain things. So, uh, so there, there is a, a place for people and you see them in a lot of the bigger systems, the survival stability survival stability survival you know like you see them in the bigger systems and those companies have built a fortune off of that it's required they can't have successful people because the profits in survival stability and there's a beautiful place for that you know and people get to do that but as soon as people kick into success and they start to build a team Often it's a different environment that they are going to thrive in. Now, I'm not saying those big national companies don't have a beautiful structure for that, but you find most of them find their way somewhere else, you know, to build their, their team. And that's really, you know, the distinction between stability and success is, is when you move out of stability, you actually are now starting to build a company that is going to generate leads, create appointments, you know, write contracts, deal with the negotiations, everything during the transaction, uh, you know, close the transaction, and the leader is moving away slowly from it. Not, not, or stability, you're in every moment of it. Mm -hmm. Where the, in success, you start to move away from it, and that takes a lot of trust. You know, you have to, you have to really trust yourself. You have to be able to trust other people. Uh, and that's an issue that most people have not dealt with, that's why they get into real estate, is they don't trust others. They don't trust the system. They don't trust authority. I, I found as a as a coach is the biggest challenge from going to survival stability is people have a, have a trust issue and they call it a control issue. I gotta be in control of everything, but it's a deeper issue. It's, it's they don't trust their own judgment to hire the right people. When they do bring somebody on board, they overmanage. They over control, you know, um, uh, you know, and, you know, and people don't succeed is because number one is, uh, I don't want to say they're stupid, but there is this level of stupidity that they don't know what to do. We'll call it stupid. Like they don't, there's a stupidity in it. Like they keep doing the same things over and over again. Um, and they just don't know what to do. They like, what do I do to generate a consistent flow of leads? Like, what do I do? And they get stuck inside of that. And then there's uh, people who just are really arrogant. They know it all. They're not producing anything, but I'll present to them the perfect system. And they'll go, ah, I don't like the color of that postcard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, well, you know, that's pretty arrogant. You know, like I've been around for 40 years and you don't like the color of the postcard. You're in survival. I'm you know, like, what? Where, where do you get, where do you get 
how are you coming from that place? Like, you know that you don't like yellow and there's an arrogance in that, you know, and, and it's okay, you know, but when, once people recognize they don't know what they don't know and their arrogance is what holds them back. Like you, we used to just say, you know, don't put any ketchup on this idea. It's perfect the way it is. Just execute the way it is. And they go, well, I like a little salt, a little, a little mustard on the side. Kind of make it my own unique. That's the arrogance of, of the unaware. It's ignorant. There's ignorance in it also. And then there's um, uh, just, you know, like people, they just struggle with uh, their own internal, their own, like, do I want to be successful? Do I, do I actually even want the responsibility that success brings? Because there's responsibility in bringing a team together. Like as you guys, you know, as you bring people, you gotta, you gotta step your game up. You know, you're now not in it for yourself anymore. You're in it for other people. And there's this shift that you go from self-absorbed to, you know, self fullness full of self full like you're full like you know you're full i'm full myself is full and i got enough of me that i can give it to others like and you get to that place and 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 that's some privilege you know few people will get there real estate's a beautiful place for survival disability it's a beautiful home where else would they go uber i mean where do you go where do you go to make yeah. Seventy thousand dollars here, and then the next year make thirty-five thousand. Next year make seventy thousand. Next year make nothing. Next year, like where do you go? You know, there's 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 not many industries to do that. So we need a home for them. It's not right or wrong. It's just where they are in their stage of development. And you know, and there's always another group of them coming in, and then some kick up to success. And it, real estate's a beautiful place for success. It's an incredible place for significance. If if you can separate ambition. You know, like the ambitious part starts to settle down a little bit because we see a lot of guys that don't, they grow in their impact, but they don't grow in their, in their, in who they are. You know, they, they, Josh, I'll put it this way. I had a call the other day. I was talking with uh, Ben Hardy, who wrote a book called Personality is Permanent. Yeah. Yeah, I met Ben down in Orlando. I met him at one of Breakthrough Blueprints. Yeah, yeah. So he's a good buddy of mine. So Ben, ben, ben and I have this little notion that says that once you hit your number, like you have a number in your mind, so your number's 10 million or 5 million. Once you hit your number, once you have the amount of money that you no longer are, uh, you, you don't have to shape your personality in order to make money. You don't have to shape it. You can just be who you want and whether you make the money or not, because you got enough money. Once you hit that number, you don't really know who you are until you have that number because all of your actions in your life are trying to get that number. But once you hit the number, then you can find out who you are. And what I've recognized is, 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 is a lot of, as the people become more success, successful, what holds them back from significance is, is the number keeps growing. Mm -hmm. it, it keeps getting bigger and bigger because it's ambition that's running the numbers in comparison to what everything else, everyone else is doing. And, yeah. and that's a game that you can't win. You know, like you just keep getting, you have to get bigger, you have to keep growing, you have to keep growing, you have to keep growing, as opposed to, okay, I've got enough, now I can be who I wanna be and really tell my truth. Because it doesn't matter, I'm fine. You know, you don't have to like it. If you like it, good, if you don't, you don't. You know, it's okay. But if you don't get to that place, 
you're always shaping your message to grow your pile. Yeah. Hey there. Really quick before we dive into today's podcast, would you do us a favor and rate and share this podcast? That would help us out tremendously for blowing this thing up. We're not really big on asking for these types of things, but we really want to expand and be able to bring on more cool people like today's guest. If you can take a minute, it only takes a minute. That would be great. All right, let's get to it. What I was going to ask is the breakthrough between success and significance is the ambition. Would you would you say like the ambition or arrogance that exists still inside of like because once you I, I I believe like once you once you reach a certain number, whatever that number might be, right? Could be 10, it could be a hundred. Yeah. It's all math from that point forward. The numbers can only keep going up or down, but it's like it's relative, right? So would you say that it, it really becomes like a, a matter of, is that when the question of what's next really kicks in or is it, what is it? Uh, good question, Michael. Uh, the, um, there's Eric Erickson who wrote a lot about psychosocial development has the eight stages of psychosocial development and he breaks them into age categories. You know, so when you're born, you know, you're very vulnerable and you're just whatever, whatever your caretakers are doing is developing your, your sense of safety and well-being. You develop your trust, you know, now some, and then as you grow a little bit older, you learn how to develop into autonomy or you learn, you know, a sense of helplessness. Like your parents are just over dawdling and they just are always, they're holding you. They don't let you take risks. and. So then you look at the world as it's not a safe place. I got to really be careful. And then as we grow into teenagers and, you know, as we develop, we're getting guidance and we're being, we're modeling our caretakers suggestions. And Michael, my, my mentor, Milton Merle would say, you spend the, the last like 20 years of your life getting over the first 40. You know, like there's a lot of finding <laughs> that you have to do because the society crafts us into a way that we didn't originally choose. I didn't choose my parents' model of coaching, you know, or parenting. So I have to find my own voice, my own authentic voice. I can say I, in my, my journey, I found it when I was around 50 years old. So about 15, 16 years ago, where, I mean, I knew my voice, but I really found my voice 15 years ago. I, I identified who I wanted to be as I crossed from success to significance. And that's, that was a moment in my time, it was like a rite of passage. And I did the Navy SEAL Hell Week thing where I was the oldest guy ever make it through a, a thing called Kokoro. I had to go into a very crucible experience. And I had to, to, to find, am I gonna be a, a solo guy? Like, or am I gonna be a team guy? You know, and I, I was raised in a large family, nine brothers and sisters where we fended for ourselves. We weren't team players. We, like we were fighting for the last pork chop, you know? And, and now, and I took that and my mom set us up right at the beginning, you know, like put it us, not intentionally, lovingly, she did her best. But she would say, hey, be like Joey. He's so independent, you know? So I developed this deep independence thing. And then, you know, so you get all this stuff when you're growing up from your caretakers. 
And then there's a point where you, you go, okay, am I gonna be my own version of myself? And I don't know what that wake up call is, Michael. I don't know what it is. I use, I think it's usually you meet somebody and you go, you got a quality that I don't have and I can see it missing in me. And I would like to have that in me. And then you get really curious. And I started getting really curious about some of the things I was seeing in other men that were certainly missing. And I was really curious. And what I gleaned from that was this deep need to test myself, to see who I really was. And so Mark Devine runs a camp called Coop Coro, K-O-K-O-R-O. And it's a, a training ground for the cadets to go into the Navy SEALs. And if you make it through Kokoro, you got a 95% chance you're gonna make it through BUDS, uh, Basic Underwater Demolition School. Um, and so the Navy started contracting with him to put people through that before they came to BUDS because they were having such a high dropout rate. They needed, they needed more SEALs. So Mark contracted with him and he, he was a mentor of mine, Mark. And I met Mark and I'm going, you got something that I want that I don't even know what it is, but I can feel it in you and it's missing in me. And I became buddies with him. And I had something he wanted. He wanted to learn how to build a, a coaching and a training business. And he had no idea. So I said, Mark, I'll teach you what I got. You teach me what you got, you know? And we collaborated together and he let me come into the Kokoro camp at 54. Says you're gonna be the oldest guy that's ever done this. I don't know how it's gonna work out for you, but I was a good athlete. He goes, let's go at it. And so for one year, I trained with the SEALs. You know, I spent uh, all, you know, 10 hours a day for 12 months uh, doing that, living that life. And I learned something so extraordinary, you know, about being capable of getting 20 times more done with a group of people than I could ever get done on my own. And I had to let go of that lone wolf that was fighting for survival and then step into a team who was stable, significant, successful. Like I had to step into that role. And so I think that, to answer your question, I think there's a crucible experience most people go through. Jesus went into the desert for 40 days, you know, and he had to, he had to come to terms with, am I gonna listen or am I not? You know, am I, am I really in this game or is this, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, you know, just a, a book with my name in it, you know, like what, what, what's true. Like we can't, we have to have the direct experience. So that was my like most pronounced selective experience. So I encourage a lot of young men that I work with, take on a crucible, something that's going to test the shit out of you, you know, and I don't know what it is. It's different for everybody. So I, for me, what's happened for me is I got to keep now doing that. So when I was 60, I became uh, qualified for the CrossFit Games, and I, um, which was extraordinary. Now I had to learn how to prepare in a different way. And so I'm constantly doing those type of things. I just did the Mount Everest climb about three weeks ago. You know, and so I just keep looking at these different ways of how to challenge my uh, humanity, like, and, 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 and rely on other people, and rely on other people, trust other people. And that's the cool thing. Does that make sense? 100%. I, I, as soon as you mentioned that, I looked it up and there's, um, in that stage, there's intimacy and isolation. And you kind of, you, you wrapped it up really well when you said I had to let go of the lone wolf in me 
um, and kind of surround yourself with the pack, you know. So thank you for answering that. That, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah. That was great. I yeah. um. Let's just let me say this for anybody who's listening that that connects with them at privatework.com. You can actually go there, Michael, and you can sign up at a account. It takes maybe a minute to sign up. There's a, in, we call it the blue room. There's the blue room, the pink room, and the, green, and the green room. In the blue room, there's a tab called Deep Personal Work. And I spent uh, a good six months working with Larry Laban, who is one of the world-renowned experts in the Eric Ericksonian, Erickson model of social cycle development. And we took each one of those stages and we break them down. And if anyone has the, the balls, the courage to do this like to do that depth of work that is a crucible experience doing that type of introspective work where you don't have to go out and sit in the ocean all night you know you you, you work with yourself and if it leads you in that direction cool but i, I really encourage people to more introspective work more deeper work more integration of their a higher version of themselves and we just, we're at a time in history, you guys, right now, where the world is just stimulus react, stimulus react. And what's missing is pause, stimulus, pause, work it out, then response, work it out, do your work. Your response, your reaction is your, your crap. You're, you see it all the time. Somebody says something on social media and the person reacts to it. It's not worked out. And even agents will sit across from the table, a client will say something and they'll get stimulated and they'll, and they'll react. And it, the reaction has nothing to do, but all their history that's unresolved, that's all coming out. You know, and a person, all they said was, is we'd like to make a, a lower offer. And the person goes, you can't do that. You know, like, and it's, it's all about, did you just read it? It's all their shit is coming out. Uh, and it has no relevance to, I want to make a lower offer. You know, it, it's all their story that's being poured out. And that's what I find is since most people are survival stability, they're just not worked out. They're just, there's a tape that's playing somewhere that everyone in their world is, is part of their past that's unhealed. And as soon as it starts to heal, a person says, I want to make a lower offer, and you're at the place that it's been healed, you don't take it personal. You can sit with that and you go, well, let's take a look and see if that's in your best interest. You know, I, I understand why you want to make a lower offer. I don't know if it's in your best interest. Let's explore that a little bit, shall we? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, and and you know, you come from a different place when you're grounded in who you are. And that's why I created private work, is is to help people get that grounding so they can evolve into success, evolve into significance, and perhaps, you know, lead a life of sacred privilege. Right. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. I love it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, um, I kind of want to take it back just for a few minutes to, like you were talking about identity and, and personality and how you talked to, to Ben Hardy about, you know, the author of personalities and permanent, and then, you know, it's it's very similar to the gap in the gain. I feel like the message that you were talking about is, you know, once you reach the 10 million, now you actually get to figure out who you are because your identity was so wrapped up in reaching that 10 million. And now 
I feel like that's your midlife crisis, your identity crisis. You don't know who you are. You don't know why you're doing it, but you're just chasing the number. Um, and I just, I, I love that. And I kind of want to dive into that a little bit more as far as like, at what point do you start, I guess, finding out who you are and really diving deep into, you know, instead of having a monetary goal, I mean, I guess that's part of it or whatever your goal is, you know, what would you say to people that are, that are in the chase that are trying to, trying to reach something that may be the, the ideal, but isn't, you know, they, they always are always chasing after it, always chasing after it and they never get to it. Um, is that, is that kind of the preface of what private work is, is all about is kind of finding who you are asking the questions, being introspective and, and kind of coming terms with who you are and why you do what you do. Yeah, that's good. That's a good part of it. You know, so just in your mind right now, just kind of reflect on, on people that are you know, in your realm right now that there's not a lack, there's a lack of presence, like presence, groundedness, but there's a tremendous amount of drive and ambition to get somewhere. It's not where they're at, it's somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that there's, that's just a, the journey that they're on, you know, that they're never really in the moment, like really connected to you. You don't, you don't really feel their heart open. You don't feel a sense of depth of, of with them mostly because they're on to what's next. It's like there's a motive for everything. Their, their motive is different than connecting. There's there's something in it. And there's nothing wrong with this. This is just the human condition. Um, there, there is something that occurs once you get connected to insight. Like insight is fresh thinking. Insight is expanded awareness. It, there's an art and a science to insightfulness. And once you taste insight, you want your life to be inspired by insight. So you want to be able to do your work and inside your work, you get an insight that says, call Ben Hardy. And you take action on that. Now. You don't know why you're calling Ben Hardy, but you're calling Ben because it's coming through you while you're doing your work. Now you do your work every day, private work every day. And every day you get insight. And there's an accumulative effect of that, that you're now your life, the call from Ben is now leading you in this direction. Now there's a processional effect. There's all types of things that have occurred from that one action that came from insight. I'm going to suggest that once you taste that and you see the path that you go on when you're inspired by insight, you don't want to trade it for the one that's inspired by fear. That's inspired by the amount of money that you want to make. Mm-hmm. That's inspired by an old tape that you didn't even even manufacture. That was given to you out of in your early development because your parents had such a horrible relationship with money that you're determined not to let that happen to you. And that's what's driving you and you're not even aware of that. And then you get the insight that, oh wow, I'm I'm really a version of my father and my mother combined together and I wanna see who I am absence of that as the overlay. Maybe that's the question, maybe it's one. 
but you start to do your, your private work. And private work, the purpose of private work is to cultivate insightfulness. So every day you get some insight that you take action, big or small, big or small. And it's really profound when you get into things. And I gave you that little example of Ben, um, uh, because it did like, you know, like I do private work often and, and it will just come to me like, okay, give Joe Polish a call. You're like, and I don't even know why. And I'll call Joe and Joe answers the phone and he's sitting there with Dean Graziosi. And he, hey Joe, we're just sitting here right now and we need a speaker for the 100K group next Tuesday. Are you available by chance? And I'm like, oh, that's what private work was asking me to do. I had no idea. I got the insight. I took the action. I stepped into the unknown. That's what private work is. I'm going to suggest that most people are not living that way. They're waking up in the morning and they're putting the play button on and going on autopilot mm -hmm. as opposed to fresh insight that runs the day. And that's what private work is. So you can take 10 minutes to activate the insight. You can take an hour to activate the insight. It depends on how much time you have to do that. So we got 10 minute working outs. We got one hour working outs. We got 20 minute working outs. But what you want to do, gosh, you guys, if you could start to do this at an early age, is only begin your day with inspired insight. Your first action of the day is an insight that was inspired by your personal work. And that's a phone call. It could, whatever it is. I, you, you, it's only very personal to you. You're going to get that moment. You're going to go, That's, I just got to drop her. I'm going to drop her a quick text and just say, I love you. I forgive you so much. Have a great day. And then oh, something, now something, and it's like a rock in the river has been removed. Now the flow can occur. Most of our life is learning how to get into the flow of who we really are. That's most of what our life is about. As you, as you progress from, imagine that survival is the river is littered with rocks. And what you do is you start to learn how to adapt yourself to get around them. Stability is, hmm, maybe we should start to remove the rocks. Success is I get a team of people to help you remove the rocks. Significant is, is you help other people move the rocks. Sacred is you're rockless. You know, and and it's it's a it's a process, it's work. It's, you're working it out. And I, my goal is I just want to have a million people a day doing private work. You know, and so I started this about three, four. Uh, but I started about 15 years ago. I started writing this whole course, but I went public with it uh, about 90 days ago. I wrote a book called Private Work Self Coaching. And I just ordered two, by the way. Yeah, it's a good Amazon. little handbook. It's a, gui it's a guidebook on how to do it, but you'll learn how to do it by just doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, as, you were, as you were talking about that, I remember a phone call I had with Josh. It was probably, I don't know, months ago. Can't exactly tell you when. Um, but I was like, hey man, today I kind of just did what I felt like doing and everything felt right. Um, and it was like, my mind said, go work out. I worked out after that. It was like, okay, take a long walk, buy yourself a, a, a smoothie and read. And it was just listening to that. And I felt so in flow and at peace throughout the entire day. And it was like, probably like by far, like it's a very memorable day because there was such a sense of accomplishment and it was just very quiet and peaceful. What do you, so, think, what do you think you tapped into? Oh, it was higher than myself. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was something special. So like, as you were saying that, I was like, huh, that's something to like aspire for daily, literally. So something, you, you tapped into something different than Michael. 
there, who do you, what, what do you want to call that part of you, that different part? Let's give it a name. The lion. <laughs> um, honestly, I would, I would, I like, as you asked that question, the, the, the main thing for me, I would just like call it like what I've always been called by the people that love me is like Mickey. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's like the little boy in me, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. The vulnerable little boy. The vulnerable little boy who's not gonna like take anyone's suggestion. He's just gonna go with the flow today. The vulnerable, like whatever happens. So we have on one hand, we have Mickey. And then on the other hand, we have Mike. And these two guys wake up in the morning. You're the aware self, but you have these aspects of yourself. You have Mickey and Mike. You know, and when you go into your day, what you want to do is you want to run the day, not Mickey and Mike. Mm. You want to make the choice. So when you do your private work, what you're actually doing is operating from here. I'm going to say most people wake up and whichever voice is strongest, that's the one that's going to be operating today. And it could wake up and be emotional eater day. You could wake up and it could be anxiety day. You could wake up and it could be pusher day. It could wake up and you'd be do nothing day. We have so many sub personalities. And it's the one that is the loudest that gets acted out. Private work is putting yourself into the aware position and recognizing you have multiple, many personalities and every one of them has an opposite. And you're, you've, you've got the pusher self, the one that nothing is good enough, keep doing more, work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder accomplishes a lot and then you have the opposite self which is do nothing it, now most people are a little bit out of balance in these areas but here's what we know and I, I from all my experiences whatever is not owned or is suppressed you will attract those people in your life to balance you out so if you have a strong pusher that never sits and does nothing, you will attract a lot of people who do nothing. You'll have an assistant who does nothing. You'll have kids that do. A lot of very successful men and women have children who do nothing to balance them out. Does that make sense? Yeah. The universe is unequivocally designed to do one thing, bring equilibrium to everything, to bring it back into harmony. And so if you have a real strong lone wolf in you, you're going to probably attract people who depend on you in order to bring it out, in order to bring into balance and maybe become over dependent on you in order to bring you into balance. So we either do it through our, our work, we bring equilibrium to our life, we do it deliberately or the universe will do it for you. <laughs> and usually in a very painful way, you know, and it hurts. And it's like, people don't understand what's going on. How come my kids won't work? You know, how come my wife is always talking? Well, it's because you never talk to her. You marry someone who always talks, you know, like what you don't have, there's no, there's not enough balance in your life. And that's, you know, the, the hamster wheel over and over and over. And these, this is, these are some deeper concepts. This comes from voice dialogue. The green room at private work is called self-awareness work. Very deep work. And the higher 
you evolve, the, 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 the more you move into significance and sacreds, the deeper the work becomes in order just to hold the container. So if you want to grow your business by 100%, you got to grow yourself by 152% just to hold 100% growth. Or otherwise, it will crush you. The weight of the responsibility will crush you. And we see that happen when guys grow on the outside, but they don't grow on the inside. They have a drama-filled company. All kinds of shenanigans going on. And it's a fast up, fast down. You know, we see that a lot. Or it's work 95 hours a week, seven days a week, and there's no balance at all to it. So my friend Allison Maslin wrote a book called Scale or Fail, and she's the one who gave me that concept. She said, uh, grow your business by 100%, you gotta grow yourself by 150%, just to hold the business. Isn't that a great thought? Just that to, so good. I love that thought, you know? Thank you, Allison. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really good. I love it. Well, I mean, I think we, we everyone needs to go to the privatework.com. That's for sure. I just signed up and I was hoping the video wouldn't play while we were talking. I just didn't, I wanted to bookmark it. Um, but that's amazing, profound. I mean, these are the things that are not, that people seem to see as not urgent, but in reality, they are urgent, right? It's an important thing to do. Um, this is amazing. I'm excited. I'm excited to read the book and I'm excited to dive into the, um, the private work. Yeah, good, Josh. I, I've got a group of young men that are doing it that are, are all over the country. We've got about 2,000 people a day that are doing private work. We've got about five or 6,000 people in two months signed up. My goal is to have a million people. And, uh, in a, and mostly organically, it's not, it will happen this way, uh, but mostly it will happen. You'll do it and then you'll sit down with somebody who you know is struggling. You're going to say, hey, mm -hmm. I did this workout this morning. It's number 152 in the blue room. Because yeah. people connect to the immediate issue that they're dealing with, not as personal development as a whole. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, like, but when somebody's struggling with a marriage, God, they're really welcome. They welcome some learning. If they're struggling with their weight, if they're struggling with making money, if they're struggling with creating a level of confidence, like if there's an area where they're struggling and they can admit it, that's when they're most vulnerable. They're mo and they're most pliable and they're most willing to learn and grow. Um, so, you know, that's what a good guide does. It's just like checks to see where people are struggling. And that's really what you're doing. You know, like you want to focus on where your message can help the most people in the areas that they're struggling. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really well, thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. I think I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this entire podcast this entire talk take a bunch of notes and hopefully if you're willing we can do round two and just dive deeper into the topics that we discussed today because i know there's so much more that we can really dive into you know do, do a little pri bit of private work and then i'll come back and then what i'll i have a podcast that i do it's called uh private work unpacking where you do your work we come on and i unpack it I oh, amazing you, i help you unpack it and uh and and we don't play it for the audience. I don't put on Spotify, I don't put on YouTube because it's pretty personal. Emotionally, yeah, probably. For the private work community, the people who are doing private work. So we have the private work unpacking podcast that we do just for our members. You know, so if you sign up, then you get to listen to the podcasts. So.
Very cool. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Okay, guys. Well, thank, thank you so much, so much Joe. Joe. Everybody go to privatework.com. Get yourself a copy. And yeah, have yeah. a great day. Hey, Michael. Nice meeting you.